Welcome to the adventures of the Yellow Peril and Magical Negro. Today we got a special guest. We've got the Jade Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shall we just start with this is my shit and various things we've been checking out? Yeah, sure. Um, I finally watched Stigmata. Uh-huh. It was extremely 90s. I do yeah. have to say, like, the cinematography <laughs> actually made my eyes hurt. Like, and it's been a long time since I've seen that much, like, screen oh, white, yeah, just that's... shaky cam, like, wow. That's what the 90s are for. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it was alright. I felt like there was not, um, there was two, it, there, it was between two types of movies which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I either enjoy the, uh, conspiracy where a whole bunch of people get shot. And I don't believe the church killed enough people mm. on screen for me in that movie. And I also enjoy the movie where someone gets demonic power and flings people around. And there was only a little bit of that. And so, and, and it was the best part was that the demonic power was actually, like, you know, supposedly from the good side. So that means it's like a righteous retribution mm-hmm. beating the corrupt priest. Which is, like, again, something I would totally be there for, but it was more about sort of, like, Well, I feel, like, I feel outcast because, you know, people judge me for my tattoos. Like, that's how I felt like. I was just like, uh, no. I mean, it's all right. Internet, shame him for this. (laughs) Shame him. Oh. Yeah, so, that was my experience of that. Um, how about you? Anything you've gotten into in this last week? Um... Let's see. I just finished reading uh, Mary no- Mary Naomi's um, graphic memoir, Kiss and Tell. Okay. Which is a um, memoir of her romantic life from zero to 22. Okay. And it's deep. It's really fascinating. For people who don't know Mary Naomi, she wrote um, Dragon's Breath, or drew okay. Dragon's Breath and wrote it. Um, she's a great comic artist. She's half Japanese, and I believe she lives in the Bay Area. Okay. Um, there's some deep shit that happens in Kiss and Tell. Um, most of it's really interesting. I really liked it. I would definitely recommend it. Um, the other thing that I'm reading right now is I got an advanced print copy of Nimona, which is a fantastic webcomic for people who don't know. I don't know if it's still on the web now that's coming out in print. It's coming out from Harper. But it is, um... A young, I would say teenage, we don't really know her age, Mm -hmm. a woman who barges into a villain's lair and becomes a sidekick. Oh. Uh, And it turns out she's a shapeshifter. Okay. Um, She's vicious um, in the way that she kills these guards, and the villain's like, we don't kill! That's not like how we, that's not how the game is played. She's like, but look, it's so easy! (laughs) Um, So I really like her. She's really hilarious. Um, and turns into a dragon and all this, and has, like, a tragic backstory that she's just like, do we have to go into it? <laughs> um, so I'm really, really liking that. I think those are my two big geekeries this week. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. You want, did you get anything geeky? Anything um, Jade? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, recently, I, I actually watched the, um, there's a, a Korean movie that just came out recently called Pirates. It's on Netflix, too. Oh, I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I saw it when I was on uh, on the plane on my way back uh, back to Korea, and it's delightful, fun, and goofy, and has some great fight scenes, and a lot of stupid action. I, I have to say, my favorite part is the part where, um, so a bunch of, for various reasons, people are trying to catch this one whale. Yeah. And these bandits in the mountains are like, well, shoot, there's a lot of money behind that. Let's get this, let's go ahead and get this whale. And they have one ex-pirate with them. Yeah. And, and, like, well, and not to mention, they're all 
bad at being they're, bandits. Yeah, they're bad bandits. They got an ex-pirate who's also a bad pirate. Yeah. And they're asking him, they're like, so like, how big of a net do we need to catch this whale thing? It can't be that bad. Yeah. And they all, a fish, right? And, and they're all sitting around a campfire, and the pirate grabs a stick, walks around all of them, drawing a line. And he's like, this is the size of its eye. Yeah. And they're like, you're lying. Yeah. And they're like, well, okay, how big are its teeth? And he's like, it doesn't have teeth. It yeah. eats with whiskers. And yeah. they're like, what are you talking about? And he's how like, does a fish that big not have teeth? What are you talking they're about? They're like, well, how do we catch it? Well, you gotta wait till it comes up to breathe, and it's gonna blow water out of its nose, which is on its back. And they're like, and I'm listening to this, I'm like, well, yeah, if I never heard of a whale, I'd say this is complete bullshit. Yeah, like, like, so, this like, is completely mental, what are you talking about? Right, and so, yeah. the movie has a bunch of shit like that, and they also have some pretty, like, I love the, um, the woman pirate captain. She is so cool. Yeah, yeah. she is... Awesome. Yeah, well, and not to mention the other girl she saved, too, right. who also turns out to just be this complete badass, which is fun. So yeah, it's a great it's a great one to watch for really kick ass female fighters and uh, women in power, and there's some great acting in it too. There's a lot of goofy action, a lot of property damage, yeah. and uh, yeah, and it's it's just it's silly, it's fun, and then it's also got some history tied in with it too, which is which is great. And then um, history, I don't want no education with my entertainment. Believe me, it's just it's it's very <laughs> loose. It's just kind of like how a lot of those Chinese fantasies are about warring states, China, and stuff like that. It's like this is the beginning of uh, the Choson period in in Korea. That's that's pretty much the extent. No, of it. I'm totally kidding. I was a <laughs> yeah. fan of the History Channel until it's it became fun. all Nazis and aliens and built aliens. things that people aliens, color, couldn't have. <laughs> but aliens, man. Oh my god. <laughs> um, the other thing that actually that I'm reading right now too is um, it's actually a YA novel by uh, this lady in South Africa. Her name is Lauren Bukes. Yes. Uh, Moxieland. Oh, Moxieland. Yeah. That is her very first novel. Right. Because she just released Zoo City, which I also have, but I haven't read she, it yet. She's actually had two more since then. Oh, cool. She released Zoo City. She also has Shining Girls and Broken Monsters. Oh, very Which nice. are both le- still spec, but less so. They're more like yeah. noir thriller. Ooh. And uh, Shining Girls has been uh, picked up by... Um, Leonardo DiCaprio's production company is going to be made into a TV series. How cool. But I love Moxieland. Yeah, Moxieland is great. How far along? You're, you're I'm not about finished. halfway through. Okay, yeah. so I'm not going to say anything more because, but we should talk about it. Yeah, I, I'm at that point where where the the big uh, video game uh, in, virtual reality world uh, in, insurrection insurgents thing is about to happen. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, the characters are really interesting just because I like how complex they are where they're not... They're not all of them completely likable, but they're not completely reprehensible either. They're all, and it's really diver- it's really diverse because it takes place in South Africa. You got a lot of people of color who are who yeah. are major characters. It's a good mix of men and women in various parts of society, and it's really fascinating. It's it's one of those worlds where it's the corporates have taken over, and then there's this huge class divide between people who are connected to to the city and to the society and then the people who are disconnected and it's all through their mobile phones and that's okay. kind of that that's where the major gatekeeping happens where if your phone is shut off then you're completely cut off from society i want to borrow this when you're done yeah sure definitely. It, it actually reminds me um uh me and my friend uh jay we there's a role-playing game thing where you can create uh sci-fi settings oh. uh my friend quinn murphy made it's called 15 minute futures where you basically create you create a sci-fi saying you can make it a utopia or a dystopia. Mm. And we came up with the idea of a dystopia where everyone, they, they, they basically cured all visual disabilities by giving everyone cybernetic eyes. Oh, interesting. But everyone basically is locked in like a Time Warner plan. Oh. And if you 
This is how they do their control over the people, which is if you walk outside your uh, authorized area, they shut off your eyesight. Oh, interesting. So, like, we say mobile phone, whether you're yeah, connected yeah. or not. I'm kind of like, oh, that's yeah. that's a less disturbing, but still. Well, like, you know, actually, it is still pretty disturbing, too, because even within it, their mobile phones also are connected to their disciplinary systems, which oh. are basically tasers and disruptors. And so if it goes off, then you're getting electrocuted for however long they oh. let it happen. And, and until like your that. battery goes out. So everyone... Yeah. Uh, having that red bar may save your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Moxley, yeah. a good one. It's an interesting one for sure. I really liked it. it. It took me. It took me a little bit to start getting to figure out where it was going. But then once you really settle into the characters, it becomes and all, as all of the narratives start to weave together, it gets really interesting. Yeah, it's actually darker than my usual fare. But uh, I think. I've oh yeah, see, I'm really into that kind of shit. I know you so. are. I know you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm not much for the super dark. Yeah. Um, but I think I picked it up while I was traveling. And oh, I was okay. like, okay, I need a book, and this looks interesting. Yeah. And so I read it, and I got, I really liked it at yeah. the end, but I was still like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely goes there, which I, I really appreciate. Oh, goodness. Time for the topic? Time for the main topic. Queers and fantasy. Queers and fantasy. LGBTQIA. Woo! Um, so, was there a specific... I'll let you start this time. Because, I mean, most of the stuff I got to draw from is anime. I mean, there's that. I've, you know, the, that was the anime I mainly watched when I was a teenager. I was like, where are the ones where boys kiss? Um, <laughs> I do. So, I actually took a trip to J-Town uh, earlier this week. And I can say I'm definitely amazed by the fact that there is, like, walls of yaoi now. Mm-hmm. And, like, just that's open, right? Mm-hmm. Because before it used to be, like, tucked away in a corner. It's like... I, they realize, they're like, no, there's too much money here. We got to. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to YaoiCon? I have, actually. I actually worked for an anime co- uh, a distributor, mm-hmm. and they, uh, they basically sold stuff, and they're like, well, YaoiCon, we need to do it. And the dude was really, the dude who I worked for was not really a great guy, but he's like, here, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whatever. And whoever I was sitting next to, she apparently did art with, like, the super massive penises. Oh, God. <laughs> that, that was the kind. You know, it wasn't like the yaoi hands, but it was definitely like horse third leg stuff. It was a lot. Yeah. And it was, the thing is, I can say she definitely had amazing cell shading in terms of her art. But, you know, I think she was trying to shock me. And I was like, yeah, okay. A penis is a penis. I don't right? know. Every time I see something like that, I'm like, that's not an erection. That's a priapism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went years ago because um, an old friend, uh, Deluxe Vivens, mm-hmm. had an extra ticket. Oh. So she took me. And that was some shit. Number one. Um, like, the late night porn showings where I wandered oh, yeah. into one, I was like, well, hello. Um, <laughs> that is one thing, though, I was thinking about this week about this topic, though, is how much um, how much is actually queer for queer folks and queer for straight consumption. Oh, yeah, yeah. and Yaocon yeah. is definitely street for, is queer for straight, straight consumption. consumption yeah. Yeah. But I did appreciate that they have a, like, park your boyfriend room. Where it's full with, like, video game consoles and, like, board games and stuff. Oh, that you, that's like, hilarious. The girls drop their boyfriends off. <laughs> and the boyfriends just spend all day in that room, like, playing video games. Just broing out. Just broing out. Which I, I oh, just God. thought was fascinating. But, um... It's kind of like the opposite of the uh, of the, the harem, where it's just like, okay, you go, you go hang over here, and then the women are going to go <laughs> do their thing. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, that's a good point, because there is a very big difference between, I think, queer for... Um, straight audiences and queer for queer audiences. Um, I mean, 
look at uh, Mercedes Lackey, which I don't know if we've talked about her on the show before. I think she got brief mention, but we didn't go in. <laughs> well, Mercedes Lackey, famous for her sparkle ponies. Um, you know, and we all go through Mercedes Lackey's fa- Lackey phase. There's Isn't no, that how we all start? I, I think it is how we all start. Yeah. yeah. We've, all, we've all read Mercedes Lackey if you're of a certain generation. Yeah. Um, and I still go back and reread, actually, some of it. Um, the... But her trilogy, the High Mage trilogy, oh, Banyan, yeah. which is sort of her most, I mean, there is a lesbian character in the Arrows trilogy who I believe gets raped. Mm. She, Mercedes Lackey likes to rape her queers and then kill her queers. Um, not necessarily both, but sometimes both. Um, and that Vaniel I know, number one, loses his first boyfriend in the first book. Um... Second book gets a younger boyfriend who's like the first boyfriend reborn, which is problematic in a number of ways. Um, and then in the third book, he is raped, gang raped, I think, oh um, towards the end. And to give Mercedes Lackey credit, when I read it at um, like 12 or 13, it was done in such a subtle way that I didn't realize that was what was happening. Mm. It was only when I went back and read it later that I was like, oh, okay. And then he's killed um, or he dies saving everyone. And his spirit haunts the forest forever. Um, luckily, after his lover like grows old and dies, their spirits are together. But that is sort of a seminal example, I think, of like queer fantasy for straight audiences. Like, yeah. queer person ends up dying, or they're they're either yeah, completely gonna... desexualized, and they're like you know sassy. Mm-hmm. Um, they love to make a black sassy gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's either that, or they like die if they have a sex life. Um, and that's changing, for sure, but I think for decades that was what we got from specifically straight authors. And then queer authors who were writing queer fantasy were published under, like, smaller imprints. Mm-hmm. The one press I used to love, which is out of business now because some shit went down, um, Misha Merlin, who was a small press um, in the 90s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And the thing I remember most about them is that a lot of their stuff involved queer characters. Like, a lot of their... And I believe that the guy who ran the press was gay. Um, so a lot of their stuff was, like, super queer. I remember uh, Karith Corinne by Jim Grimsley, which is a great book about immortals. And it's a little... It might be a little bit sketchy, because the 15-year-old ends up with, like, a 300-year-old man. But at the same time, that's Buffy and every other, yeah. like, like that's, yeah. you know, it, we, we can't say it's problematic for this because it's two men, but it's not problematic when Buffy's dating a 200-year-old man right. who, like, wallowed in death and destruction. Um, you know, Buffy, date someone under a century. Just under a century. That's all I ask. Um, now I'm just imagining what, like, the, the dirty old, the dirty old pervert, like, calculation is when you have, like, immortals, right? Because oh, yeah. there's, like, half your age plus seven or something, yeah. but now it's, like, like how many centuries or millennia <laughs> between is allowed? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's one of the big differences. I mean, queer for queer folks, there's some good stuff, there's some really good stuff that was out from small presses. Yeah. Um, there was a, a couple years ago, there was a, a, a an anthology in the steampunk um, science yes. fiction community that was for... Uh, uh, Steam Power. Yeah, that's the one. Yes. Um, I adore, adore, adore N.K. Jemison's uh, yeah. story in that, The Effluent Engine. Yeah. Mm. Um, there are a lot of good stories in there. Although one of my friends did have the complaint where she was like, I wish that so many of the stories in there didn't end with like 
them having to leave behind their whole country to be together or like tragedy in some way. And I'm like, real. But you know, I think there's something different when it's coming from a true lived experience of like backstory from a queer writer as opposed to like everybody hates queers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's actually so. Since my the main place where I see a crossover is because I imbibe a ton of anime. Yeah, and so we're seeing like this really interesting. yeah, animes always have, like, queer stuff kind of on the fringes, but starting to enter the mainstream. Um, and at least we're getting to the point now where not every queer person has to die, but a lot of times what they have to do to be together is often, like, such an epic battle. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so a couple years back, the uh, anime Madoka Magica came out, mm-hmm. which is, you know, hey, young girls in love, awesome, but uh, from what I hear, basically the guy who made it is very misogynistic. And they're like, so instead of this all being like the suffering so that they can have love, it's really, this dude want to see a lot of young girls suffer. And I'm just like, hmm, Ooh. okay. Um, That's and, why the creator's attitude matters. Yeah, and then more recently, um, something along the same lines in terms of young women having an awesome like queer relationship was Yuki Yuna as a hero, um, which also has magical girls fighting to save the world and being in love. I have to look up on the creator of that, but it seemed a lot less suffering-centric. Like, like it posted that suffering is something that can happen, mm-hmm. and then they don't take it all the way to where they could have taken it, right? They go, okay, yeah, no, we're actually going to be good to each other, right? And I'm like, is this this hard to do? Like, Well, and I think the one I probably remember the most is um, Sailor Moon. No, well, Sailor Moon. I didn't actually watch Sailor Moon. Okay. A lot of other people got into it. I personally couldn't get that into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about Kayu Karamao. This, this no is one. familiar. It's familiar. I this need is a- the one where the boy is playing baseball and had like 70 episodes more. Um, and he falls <gasps> through the water into oh, the demon no. world. And it turns out he's like half demon. Um, and he ends up becoming the heir to the throne because he, and he ends up getting engaged to a man because he slaps this man because he feels he's been insulted. Uh huh. And in their culture, slapping is a marriage proposal. <laughs> and so he's just proposed <laughs> awesome. to the son of the former king, who is a woman, mm-hmm. um, a very elegant blonde woman. Um, as happens in these things. <laughs> but, uh, there's a bunch of stuff between, and I can't even remember the characters' names right now, but it's very interesting because it's definitely sort of played for laughs, but it's also taken seriously by the boy who was proposed to. Mm-hmm. He spends a lot of the time being jealous, telling him not to spend his company in, like, single people's company. Are you trying to make me jealous? Come to bed now. Like, they sleep in the same bed, uh-huh. um, and the blonde has a very sort of effeminate nightgown that's, like, pink and lacy and see-through. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very it was a very interesting show, and I kept hoping that they would end up... They actually end up, like, adopting a daughter together. They find, like, a little human girl, because there's war happening between humans and demons in this world. Mm-hmm. They find this little girl and sort of adopt her and sort of raise her. Oh. Um, oh. And, like, the blondes, uh, the demon... I can't even remember their names. I wish I could. But the more demony guy has older brothers, and one of the older brothers is the new Mao, which is what they call their okay. king, um, trainer. And his sword is like bloodthirsty and alive. It's it's a good it's a good show. So I what is it, it called again? 
Kayu Karamao, K-Y-O-U-K-A-R-A-M-A-O-U, I want to say. That sounds about right. Like, I think yeah. it probably went across my timeline at one point. I just didn't get a chance to check on it. Yeah, I got deep into it. Um, and it's got some good politics and good infighting and, like, That reminds magic. me of a, of a show that actually I thought uh, did some really interesting stuff, uh, Big Wind Up. Yeah. Um, Big Wind Up, this isn't fantasy, it's high school baseball. Oh, Jeebus. But it's... um. The pitcher and the catcher, of course. And, and how subtle, right? How subtle. But but the how will I dis- decipher this metaphor? The flip <laughs> to it is that the pitcher is actually has no self esteem. He's really insecure, and so the catcher is the one who's like got all the mastermind calculating stuff. And it's the the coach is a woman who runs the thing, and she's basically like. All the advice she's giving them to become a better like team is like you're just like wow this is no longer subtext right like she she tells the catch she tells the catcher she's like look if you want to help his accuracy hold his hands and look into his eyes like this and he's like what the hell right and you know he's like he does it and their guy of course is like flushing up and like and you know it's like and she explains her it's like yeah that brings more blood flow to his hands so he can throw better no, like, no. oh man nope. I was um, like, I'm just like, wherever someone is doing the doujinshi of this, I know. It has to be full of special te- Like, they even special have... Special legitly, legitly in the cartoon, they have a point when he's helping him stretch out. And, like, the way in which they animate it, you're just like, really? Like, <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. Right? Um, god damn. Just breathe into it. I was oh, like, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not bad advice. Right? Um, Jesus, that's Christ. Um, I feel like I covered a lot of the queer fantasy stuff I wanted to talk about last last week when we were just talking about portal fantasies. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, Palimpsest is super queer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, like, everybody's fucking each other. <laughs> um, I love it. I, just anything by Catherine Valente. I'm a huge Catherine Valente fan. Yeah. Um, her Orphan Tale series yeah. is also very queer in, like, many different definitions of the world. Or, yeah. like... There are lesbian relationships and gay relationships and, you know, a queering of, like, patriarchy and, like, expectations of malehood versus mm-hmm. femalehood. I just, I really love that series. Um, that duology, I guess. It's not mm-hmm. a series. Um, so, one of the names that came to mind when I was thinking about this, uh, the other thing I watch a lot of is Hong Kong movies. Mm-hmm. Bridget Lin. Don't know who Bridget Lin is. Um, so, basically, in the late 80s and early 90s, if you ever want to have her, the main thing she did was she would cross dress as a man, mm-hmm. ah. and usually be like whatever the villain, whatever the villain was, she was usually the villain, uh-huh. and like badass, just kicking ass. And there was really no like commentary about like like it was just yeah, she just plays man men's roles and that's it, and like you know has women lovers and no real, like, you know, usually when they do these things in very straight-laced media, they want to come up with an excuse. It's just like, nope, that's her, she's doing it. That's just the way she is. I mean, I think there, and I think that's a good point, there's an interesting nuance and allowability happening when the queer person is a villain. Mm, Yeah, yeah. When the queer person is a villain, they're allowed to be much more queer, Mm -hmm. much more open about their sexuality, like, because, you know, they're going to lose in the end. Mm -hmm. So they're allowed to have this more openness, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of the things I always say, I love the hardcore lesbian space queen from, like, the 50s and 60s, who was always the villainess and lived in a space station with, like, a harem of women, 
and was like... Whose outfit is something akin to bondage gear. Bondage. Something with leather and straps. Yeah. And that she would, you know, inevitably lose, sadly. But she always had her shit on lock. And she was allowed to be queer in a way that, like, heroes, if they even were queer, were usually hinted at in mainstream. And and it's really interesting to see how much of that flip goes into the old Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. How it's like, for her to be hero, she has to come into the world of men. Mm -hmm. And, you know... Yeah. I actually picked up, I haven't read it yet, I really want to, I actually picked up Jill Lepore's book on the secret history of Wonder Woman, which is all about, like, the um, interesting and odd relationship the married couple who created Wonder Woman had, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm very interested to give it a read. I heard that was an interesting one. Yeah, I heard it was really good. Um, But that's another thing, queers in comics, which is basically fantasy. Yeah. I personally love Obsidian. He's one of my favorite gay comic book characters and always We just had Iceman come out. Although I think come out is the wrongest word to use for this. Because I finally, I just saw the panel, the page last night of what what happened. And I'm like, that's fucked up. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) It's fucked up. You don't force anyone out. Um, Oh, is that what happens? So so what happens is, so... uh, X-Men, I guess, they have a thing where their past versions are now in the present, mm-hmm. alongside with the present versions. Yeah. And past version Jean Grey is just like, oh, Bobby, you're gay. Just tells him. And he's like, but uh, I thought maybe I'm bi. No, you're gay. And I'm just like, you... People kind of need some time to explore who they are. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's not... Well, like, if he had come to her and said, yo, what's going on with me? You know, like, break it down for me. Then I'd be like, okay, yeah. But no, you just... Rolled it on him, like... It was very bluntly done. But what I find is really interesting is that Bobby has sort of had this history mm-hmm. um, of specifically, I feel like his... One of the creators said he wanted Bobby to be gay. That that was mm-hmm. like... And he's always sort of read that way to a lot of queer comic book fans. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that for most of us, this was like Ricky Martin coming out. Right. Where it was like, oh... Where no one was surprised. Yeah, where you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, even... So... <laughs> comic books. Um, there's a whole thing between Iceman and North Star, right. uh, where North Star is sort of always flirting with him, and there's an interesting thing a few years ago that involved a human nurse and a love triangle and all this stuff. Um, but at one point, they, the fact that North Star is gay is mentioned in front of Bobby, and Bobby has this extreme reaction of like, what? North Star is gay? Which is the most ridiculous. Like, who doesn't know? Right. Um, and so I remember all, like, the queer readers were like, oh, overcompensation much, Bobby? Like, we know. <laughs> um, so what I do find interesting is how they're going to deal with the older Bobby, who is only ide- ever mm-hmm. identified as straight, mm-hmm. and now his younger counterpart I- is supposedly going to identify as gay. And I did see a lot of people calling this bi-erasure, which I thought was an interesting point, where they were like, mm-hmm. Bobby could have been bi. That's and that funny. that wouldn't you wouldn't have to write con anything really, right? Um, oh, Bobby just always had such horrible relationships with women. They would betray him, cheat on him, try and kill him. Although, I mean, to be honest, I think that unfortunately, when it comes to women in comics, women do horrible shit to yeah. everyone. It's it's a question of how much good time do we get. Before she goes crazy, gets possessed by demons, gets refrigerated. Well, that's the thing is, Bobby never had more than a few issues, I feel like. Yeah. Before someone turned on him. Even other superheroines would be like, oh, I'm going back to your teammate now. <laughs> it was like, aww. Um, but I'm. it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, the comic books are getting a little bit more queer. 
little bit. A There's little bit. I feel like a lot of it is, unfortunately, like, pretty much, like, straight people writing, you know? Yeah. Like, all of it's very clumsy and and not great. It's one of the reasons I love um, Sophie Campbell, who is the artist for Gem and the Holograms. Okay. Mm-hmm. And is a trans woman. And it's fantastic. She was the artist for Glory. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And so, she's amazing. Um, but, you know, it's this, I feel like, here's the thing with queer people in comic books, I also feel like. It turns out it's the same thing with women in, like, epic fantasy. You have, like, the five-man, one-girl group. Yeah. Where it's like, that's enough representation. There's one of them. And it's like, we don't care that the one of them is a whore and a joke. There's one. That's enough. Ah, that's sort of like, um, when people bring up the whole Smurfette thing. Oh, Smurfette. It's not, you know, people are like, well, why is there only one? Because Gargamel literally created her to seduce and fuck over the rest of the Smurfs. Like, can we talk about, like, how loaded that already is, right? Like, it's a loaded, I mean, cartoons. Yeah. Cartoons didn't give us anyone gay for years, I feel like. Although, I mean, to be honest, I, mean, the, the, I, I, I am so amused by the imagery of He-Man now that I'm older and can, like, go, whoa! Like, yeah. There were definitely things that they were playing on, I think. But, um, yeah, no, I don't, I, I, I miss, yeah, this is why I love Steven Universe so much, because it's so queer overall. Yeah. And so far ahead. It's, yeah. it's like the queerness is not made for lols. Exactly. Like, that's the yeah. thing, it's like almost all the other all things where it shows up, it's made for lols, or it's kind of treated as, like, Oh, that's just a side. That's just how they are, right? Mm. And I'm like, you know, if the best you're going to give me is Tyler Perry levels of acceptance, we're not really that far ahead, right? Mm. Like, well, I mean, the fact, the very fact that, like, um, damn it, totally. Oh, the very fact that you have a ten year old boy and a ten year old girl who fuse into one person, and there's no commentary on the gender. On, I mean, there's a little commentary from Pearl, but it's more about human and gem. Right. But there's very much, like, none of this, like, gender commentary or, like, definitive nature of, like, their fusing, which I really enjoyed. I mean, I enjoy that episode except for the ending, which I find sort of... It was a little weird, but I also... Um, it was one of those things where what I felt the whole that whole episode captured really well was this weird part of, like, when you're first kind of discovering your sexuality and you're like, fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, That's true. Like, I felt that whole, like, especially that creepy part at the end when dude's trying to hit on them and they're like yeah no <laughs> like um but like speaking of queer authors and um fantasy tanya huff tanya huff's doing which now tanya huff did um a bunch of series i personally love um the firestone and gate of light both of which sort of have queer things happening in it and gate of light actually has a um developmentally disabled character that's treated, like, importantly and has a sexuality. Um, it's actually an interesting this discussion that happens. I don't know how good it is. I haven't read it for years. Uh, Firestone is a epic fantasy mm-hmm. um, about two men and a woman that have to, like, uh, two, man and a, two men and a woman, what is wrong with me today, that have to save, like, this stone. And in the end, the two men end up getting together. Um, and she also did the vampire it's not the vampire diaries it's the vampire series they did it on lifetime um it's uh, a woman cop who's losing her eyesight and it's so she's true to, blood is it no, no it's not true blood okay it's this woman cop who loses, who's losing her eyesight her night vision so she has to quit the force and she becomes a pi 
and she ends up running into a vampire, Henry, who this is, is the bastard son of Henry VIII. I've never even heard of um, this. And is, uh, I forget, see, in the book series, I think he's a romance writer. And in the TV <laughs> series, I think he's a comic book writer. Um, but he's also very short in the book series. And there's a lot of flirting that happens between her, him, and her former male partner. Oh. Hmm. Um, and it's it's an interesting little take on it because it's not played for laughs. Henry hmm. is hitting on Matt, Mark. I don't know. He was boring, so I don't remember his name. <laughs> Who? But it was a five book series. It was very very good. Who was it that did like Fire Logic and? Um... Oh, uh, Laurie J. Marks. Okay, yes, because I the, read that a few years back. Again, um, I believe she identifies as lesbian. Fantastic series. I mean, the race. There's yeah. a, there's a little race issue in the first book. But in the third book, I think that she deals with uh, race very well and very interestingly. And the fourth book's supposed to be coming out soon, which mm. someone told me when I was on a panel at Falcon. They were like, number four is supposed to be out soon. I was like, thank Jesus. <laughs> like, it's been forever. But that's a great series with uh, queer families and queer variations. Yeah, I need to reread it because as well as things like, I think I read it the year before I got hit with the chemo. And so it's just yeah. super fuzzy in my head right now. I probably have them somewhere. Yeah. I haven't yeah. loaned them out. I'm sure you loaned them to me at the past. So it's just like, yeah. I, I like to have a lending library. It's important to me. Um, yeah. Oh, I see something written on your pad and I'm going to jump to it. Okay, great. ElfQuest. Okay. ElfQuest. I love ElfQuest so just like we were talking last week about magic psychic animals, yeah, that, that's immediately what I thought of. Like, it's like ElfQuest brought me to my psychic animal stage. <laughs> psychic I animal. Feel, stage. I feel like ElfQuest totally handled the psychic animals very well and yeah. very subtly. It wasn't like, look at my wolfie. Um, I mean, sometimes, but <laughs> ElfQuest was just, and the whole thing's online. I think I've said this in a previous podcast. Oh, okay. I need the to... whole thing is free online, except really? for I think the last storyline. Which is recent from last year, but the Peenies have put it all online. You can just read it, um, which I think everyone should do. ElfQuest is—it's one of the reasons I've never been impressed by Tolkien. Well, um, well, see, ElfQuest was my first real entry to elves outside of Keebler elves on the TV. Same and here. so, like, yeah. the first thing I see is they're shanking people with spears and yeah, stabbing exactly. people and like having crazy, like, just intense elf orgies. And I was just like. You know, I'm like 12, and 12 is a great time to see an orgy. I'm like, right, yeah. whoa, hey, that looks fun. Like, I, yeah, I got them, I started getting them from the Redwood City Public Library. Wow. When I was um, 12. And yeah, I was 12, my mom. right age. And my mom started to buy them for me, actually, after I got into them, like, every couple, like, every summer she would buy me the new volume. Yeah. Um, I love ElfQuest. I think it's amazing. It's the, the elves, they're elves of color. There are yep. elves of different cultures. There are queer elves. There are poly elves. And, and I think the one thing, and the reason I had written it down was because I think I saw something maybe a little while ago where one of the peenies was saying that the thing that they wish they had done earlier in the series was showing Skywise as uh, bisexual. And you know what? Oh, that I, cool. I wish they had too. But I still remember the moment I realized that Cutter and Skywise were also lovers. That they weren't just like blood brothers and stuff that they were getting it on to. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my whole has shifted into something beautiful. <laughs> I I spent uh, I spent a whole day one time years ago when I was living in San Jose, driving to every single library in the San Jose network. 
because they had every elf quest books, but they were scattered amongst them. So you uh, want to get them all and do a big read, right? I did the, I spent the whole day driving around San Jose from library to library, had maps printed, oh, going and getting, like, every single issue. So I had them all, like, I think there were 40 at the time. All 40 out at the same time. And the thing is, it's an epic series. If yeah. you haven't read farther in it, it goes into space. It goes into space exploration. It goes into, like, human development. Yeah, I had gotten to the first four books. Like, then, then I was like... Because I was actually buying them, right? And yeah. Like, at the time, they were, like, 20 bucks each, which yeah. was a big deal when you're on like, on, like, allowance money, you know? No, it was. Now, yeah. I mean, now we think of them $20 for that full color, and it would be amazing. I think yeah, you're, like, more. 20, 20 like, bucks. Like, money now. Yeah. 20 yeah. bucks is, like, a coffee and a burger these days, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first got into that, too. It was just after high school started. My friend's dad was the one who had... I think he had the first ten books or something like that, mm-hmm. and so my my best friend and I started reading them, and it was that that was also one of my major introductions to elves outside of you know like Keebler elves and things like that because I didn't read uh, Lord of the Rings until I was in high school either, and at that point because I had already read Elfquest, I was like, I don't care, right? I don't care yeah. about these milk toast elves, yeah, right? It's like, right. We're sad and singing songs. I'm well, like, really? Yeah. Unless that song got a beat, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have right. time for it. I mean, I like. I also like the fact, like, they, they just had a hardcore society, they right? Really did. Like, they did. Yeah. Um, the elves had a hardcore society, um, and I appreciated that their societies were malleable in really yeah. interesting ways. And especially when you think about when it was first being published, like that's, that's like late seventies, yeah. early eighties, yeah. right? Like yeah, when like, it first came out. I think so. I appreciate like deep for the time. Yeah, I appreciated how straightforward they were about really tackling the different issues that a lot yeah. of the different cultures had with one another too. Where you had the more high class elves that came from the the more civilized cities, and yeah. the more nomadic ones, and how they clashed, especially with two of them being married to each other. Exactly. It was a. Uh, it was good. I, it, it was a nice thing to actually see from such a young age that that was actually possible in literature, but then at the same time, it also kind of created that bias. So it, I pit everything else I read against that exactly. because that was like, such an early formative experience where it's just like, well, if ElfQuest can do it when it came out in the 70s, why can't you? Why can't you? Yeah. Right. The sexuality is so well drawn and right. well done and not exploitative, but still, yeah. it's, it's a very interesting line to walk, I think, to to walk between not being exploitative um, in a sort of, like, highly sexual way and not hiding it away. Right. And one of the comics we talk about all the time that we love that doesn't do it as well as Artesia, I think. Yeah. Oh, thank you for... I was like, something's missing on my list. Artesia. Which, yes. I love... But here's the thing. We've never seen Artesia make love to a woman. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've heard her talk about it. And it's clear that she has. Right. But we've never actually seen her choose a female lover, and that dri- drives me a little bit crazy. Especially when she got four men in the bed. Listen, I'm not judging. If you got those four men in the bed, two of whom are twins, you you do your thing. <laughs> I, I ex- be in traction the next day. Do what you have to. But you know, I would expect her to take some women to her bed too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, to, to kind of clown though, but for real, it's like, yo, Mark Smiley. All your people look the same. <laughs> you know, you're not asking a lot more drawing effort from you here. You <laughs> never lie. I mean, some of that art is gorgeous. Um, the problem is, like, his so characters the, are not. The characters look the same. Even if the character is very gorgeous, I know I'm going to see that character or someone who looks like that character. It's like all, you think of the eyes and the nose and the mouth, and you're like, oh, that's a Mark Smiley. Like, it's always the same. But you've always got to look out for things. You're like, haircut. 
or like missing an arm to identify characters. <laughs> You're like, wait, I know that's Sava. She's missing an arm. I remember now. <laughs> like it's it's like trying to tell my like great aunts apart. You're like, which one has the gold tooth? Which one has the mole? Which one has this? Um, which one always wears that necklace? Exactly. Like, let me figure out. So, um, the other anime one, which I wrote down, which is not a great example, but I think one that hit pretty mainstream, is Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Um, because oh, okay. the, only, the only functional relationship is the queer relationship between him and one of the angels, who turns out to be an angel. Um, yeah. And it's interesting, and I haven't kept up, but they've done, like, a comic series which does, like, an alternate timeline. They're redoing, like, a different, um, like, movies and stuff. And at least the bit of the comic series I saw that they were doing, it seemed like, what would happen if these were all more functional people? And so, um, you know, I haven't kept up, but it was clear there was, uh, I think, um, Kuaru, the, um, the queer angel dude, is the only one who has full memory of all the timelines. Mm. And that's kind of interesting, too. So I'm sort of like, in the end, are you guys going to get together, or is this just going to keep going bad, right? Yeah, I think, um, oh, queer. Queer fantasy. I want more queer fantasy in my video games, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Dragon Age gave me something. Yeah. Um, something, something. I don't know how much I love what they gave me, um, but there are at least options there. And I feel like a lot of the other games, you don't even get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I know. Oh, I mean, I'm just thinking about Mass Effect, because that's the, that's, the that's the Bioware game that I played a lot of. And you know, I love Mass Effect too, but again, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't do its best. Um, and it's interesting. Here's a little com- comparison. Steven Universe and Mass Effect, okay. where we're talking about monogendered species. Yeah, because it seems like the crystal gem or the gems are monogendered. I don't actually want to say that because we've only seen seven of them. So quite honestly, we don't have a big enough sample to say that. But and honestly, if we saw a sci-fi movie that only had like seven men, we wouldn't assume they came from a monogendered planet. We would just assume right they sent a crew of men. So it's quite possible that there are male crystal gems, but it seems more likely that the gems are all female. Uh, all ungendered. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, their their bodies are basically projections of their gems. They just happen to p- project what looks to us as a female body. Right. Um, and the way that it's handled versus the um, Asari in right. Mass Effect. Um, who, where they're all hypersexualized and more female-bodied. And, yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm like, why... I, I like that the that the you, you have this long lived race that's like, well we have our wild times when we're younger. Why do all of your wild times include stripping? Like yeah, I mean, then, no judgy. No judgy. Strip if you want. But, but but in reality we're talking about that this is a fictional culture being made for us in a real world. Exactly. These particular social values. Exactly. Yeah. Where I'm like, even if you're gonna tell me that like a chunk of them became strippers, you can't tell me they all wanted to. You can't tell me one didn't want to become a warrior and one didn't want to become... Like, we get Liara, whose wild phase is that she's an archaeologist. Well, you know, part of it also is to me, like, you know, the places where we see this, sure, there's an Asari who controls, like, the club, mm-hmm. but I'm sort of like, wouldn't it make sense that you would actually be in an entire Asari neighborhood or something like that where that's going down? Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I felt like Mass Effect maybe didn't do quite as good as it could have, right? Like, they're like, oh, here's a cosmopolitan area, we have all these races. But I never walked into a place and felt like, this is their neighborhood. 
as part of the Citadel, right? Yeah. And that would be a kind of thing, because you go, oh yeah, you can go down there and party, but they're going to do it their way, right? Because that would be a thing. Maybe they have something that we would project as, like, sort of pole dancing, but it would look a little different or have certain expectations, right? Well, been, ooh, pardon me. A bunch of people pointed out, um, rightly so, that a lot of the other races are either monogendered male or we just never see a female version. Mm-hmm. Right. Or their agender, like the Hanar, the mm-hmm. um, Volus, the um, elephant-like creatures, the Batarans, the um, even like the the we don't see a female Solarian, I don't think. Yeah. Or a few of the other. Oh, but they are they are indicate. I think they're hinted at that they the Solarians exist. They're hinted exist. that they exist, but uh, we don't actually see one. What's his name? It comes to you and says, "Are you are you fluttering your eyelids suggestively?" Oh, that was that's good. Right, yeah, uh, Morden Solis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Morden. Morden was great, and, uh, and that's a really good character. If you can make me like someone who's responsible for genocide, for genocide, yeah. right? Um, it's hard. Task. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I to get back on track from like Mass Effect. <laughs> Um, I think that Steven Universe handles it in a very different way, in yeah. a way that doesn't rob them of sexuality, because look at Rose Quartz. Yeah. Um, yeah. Steven Universe is just so far ahead, like, for a yeah, lot of shit. Yeah, and bounds ahead. Or even look at what happened when Garnet and Amethyst fused, and how, how kind of sexualized that was. I mean, their fusing yeah. dance was just like, hello, you getting it on. Yeah. Um, which is fascinating. For a number of reasons, especially because, well, let's not get into that. That's a, <laughs> that's a deep moment. We should just have an all Steven Universe episode. Um, episode where that's all we talk about. Yeah, and, yeah. And dissect everything because um, there are moments. Because yeah, we'll go in. <laughs> um, but back to like queer fantasies. I think there's some good stuff being written now. I think N.K. Jemison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, does great fantasies that have, like, characters from the spectrum. Um, there's some people who get praised for it who don't deserve it, though. I'm not yeah. gonna go... F- mm. not gonna name names, but there's one series uh, that's a lesbian main character that is just, like, the most stereotypical, like, lesbian from the 80s that I ever read in my life. Like... Like, a stereotypical lesbian from the 80s for street consumption. Yeah, okay. well, not like in that sex split. She's a blacksmith whose girlfriend brings hand bottled mead and a lute to play for her while she works. Yeah, uh, look at uh, your faces. I wish you guys could see their faces. Right now. That's the face. That's the face about that. So, so just to kind of give people like a context, imagine you just took like unfiltered coffee grounds and wiped it on your tongue. That's the face. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's not cute. Um, so there are still people who do that. And get praise for it just for having a queer character front and center, even if that character doesn't feel realistic or... Or it's not even realistic, it's emotionally authentic. Right? Yeah. Like, you can have, you can totally have, like, the superhero type character who's, like, way above the rest of the world, and, you know, it's kind of wish fulfillment, but they have to be more than just a stereotype, right? Yeah, they have to actually exist in real time as, yeah. like, a real... Person. Yeah, there has to be an emotional heart Yeah, there, right? Or just interesting. Yeah. You don't even have to get me to emotionally connect as long as the character's freaking interesting. Yeah. Shall we go into why must it be? I don't have a why must it be this week, but I'm sure I could figure one out. Do you have a why must it be, Jade? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think I do why right off the, the top. world be? Oh. You mean everything? <laughs> I mean, hopefully um, geek-related, but not required. 
I have one off the top of my head. Well, well you know, actually, I, I will. I will do a, a why must it be. It actually has more to do with um, with uh, Korean cinema and representation too. Okay, actually, okay. Because, go. Uh, it's go starting ahead. to change. Where I, I watch a lot of Korean historical dramas and. Um, historical fantasy and things like that, where, um, since we're talking about queer characters, queer characters in it are often played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and even in even in modern comedies and things like that, queer characters are still often played for laughs, they're played for clowns, and that really bothers me. Um, although I did actually, um, about 10, 10 years ago, there was a really refreshing moment in one, in one historical series that's really popular, it's called Chumong, where um, one of the characters who is it's definitely heavily implied that he's he's the queer character because he is sort of more effeminate than most of the other men, but mm-hmm. it's not quite played for laughs. It is in some parts, but then he ends up kind of forming a bond with another one of the characters who is also kind of a sidekicky, played for laughs sort of character a lot of the times. But there are a lot of moments where they become really um, where they become serious, and there's an implication there that they have a relationship with one another, that there's definitely more than just the, uh, we're working together, we're part of the same cause. But for the most part, it's, um, even in Korean media, it's still played for laughs, and which is really problematic, and it's really tough. And it's starting to change a little bit, but it's still a big, like, oh! That, that really reminds me of um, the anime I watched a little while ago, Virgin Witch Maria, which has a bunch of good things going for it, but queer characters only show up for lols. Yeah. And it's just so... It pisses me off because it's just like there's no need to do that, right? It's a it's a big thing in um, in East Asian cinema, actually, unfortunately, yeah. too, because that was even one of my big problems in um, in a movie that I absolutely love, um, Shaolin Soccer, yep. where you had the the yeah. cross dressing male character who was totally played for laughs and played as you know just kind of that that buffoon character, which in a movie that was otherwise really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um. If we're if we're gonna veer from uh, geek stuff, I can totally start going in on the thing that just is just uh, for me right now. Cool. Um, so the uh, the uh for me, uh, why must it be? Is just okay. So the big issue, the overarching issue, is just stop shooting black people. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah. like let's go with that, and then I'll go into the the specific. That's I want a good to cover. start. Um, which is just like uh, you know, I'm looking online and. Every time I see news about it, they show pro- they show the protesters. Yeah. And I'm like, so why is the protesters always the thing in the news and not the fact that cops are murdering people and people who aren't cops? Like, like it just... Argh, like, it says so much to me that that is shown as the newsworthy, scary part. And people are in the streets upset that people are being murdered. By cops. That's scary to you and not that people, you know, cops are murdering people. I, well, and especially when you look, like, when the difference came up about how CNN America and CNN International were handling the news. Yeah. With very different headlines and very different slants on what exactly was fucking happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I, I, I think what it gets for me is that it's just that there's not even the veneer. They're not even trying to play, they're, they're not even trying to give us the illusion that this is not just straight out now. Yeah, we're cool with it. Just keep doing it, right? Yeah. That's the part. Not that you know. Just stop killing people, right? Just, just stop killing people. But wow, do you guys have to revel? You know, just, just take joy in this so much. It just, uh, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, that's my big why must it be, and that's kind of like overshadowing a lot of my geek hours right now, because, you know, hey, as, as upset as I may be about some bullshit in, like, a comic or video game... This just, is real life. Yeah, just stop yeah. killing people, right? Like, <laughs> well, I feel like I can't do a why must it be about comics or anything, because now... It's no, 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 it's not, no, 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 please, please. Now it's just been shaded. Like, <laughs> no, 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 that's nah. me. <laughs> it's like, oof. That's me. Um... Okay, so why must it be? This is the two specific examples, or two creators, that I have complex feelings about, mm. which are J.K. Rowling mm. and Joss Whedon. Uh, 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 you both, <laughs> it is less complex yeah. on the second one for me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, one of them is less complex than the other. Um, you both did it, and it drives me fucking crazy. And it is outing your characters after your main series is over. Right? Yep. JK, you did it with Dumbledore where you're like, oh, he happened to be gay. Then why the fuck didn't he mention it in that whole emotional speech in right. the seventh book? She had how many that. books to actually put that in there? So many books to put it in. And it would have perfectly fit in that emotional speech where he's crying over, like, Grindelwald or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's easy. Okay, fine. You did that. And then Joss Whedon did it with Buffy. Yep. Where she all of a sudden has a relationship with a woman in the comic book. And he was like, oh, she was bi all this time. Oh, if she was bi all the time, why the fuck did she have such a fucked up reaction to Willow and Tara? I don't understand how that goes. I don't, these straight creators that want cred for these queer characters after the popularity is over. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You don't get to create this show and make everything hint at it. Tease it. It's totally... And you know what? Teen Wolf does this too. The TV series Teen Wolf does this all the fucking time. It is so much queer baiting in that. Where they hint every time. Ooh, ooh, maybe Styles is queer. Maybe Styles identifies as bi. Keep watching to find out. Ooh, ooh, maybe this character is bi. Ooh, this character is queer. Whoops, they just died. So... Yeah... Don't try and get fucking credit for creating LGBTQ characters when you either kill them off, only hint at them existing, or do it after the main popularity of your show has fizzled off and it's in a fucking new medium altogether. It's, it's Schrodinger's queer character, right? Like, like, oh, well, now that it's popular to put queer folks into stuff, now we'll do it. Now no money's really on the line for us. Yeah. yeah. Now that there's no real threat. Um, because, you know, my series already did, did like seven books or seven seasons. Huh. There's yeah. A little, there's a little parallel right there. Um, and I've already made my millions. Now I can say that, well, you know, and Joss did have Willow. We'll give Joss that. Joss did have a canon queer character. But. Who died? Willow didn't die. Well, Willow didn't, but. But Tara did. Tara did, yeah. And then he hooked her up with that horrible Kennedy. It's just like, oh. Oh, it was like, make her straight again, please. Dude, ooh, it's just horrible. I never watched the series, so. I love that series, and I own uh, all seven seasons twice over, because I bought them as individual DVD sets, and then the big complex, like, one through seven Buffy DVD set. So yes, I am a fan. That's why I said my feelings about Joss are complex. Of course. But he also queerbaited with Andrew all the time. He queerbaited with Jonathan all the time. Like, this is something that supposedly progressive creators do all the fucking time when they're not brave enough to actually put a queer character in 
or maybe they don't trust themselves enough to write a queer character that's not stereotyped. But the thing for me is when you're on a TV, when you're making a TV show, you have several writers, so you really don't have any excuse. And it's goddamn Hollywood, and you cannot tell me, you cannot find queer people in Hollywood to help you write a show. Exactly. Like, honestly, I'm pretty sure there's a good chunk of your writers who are queer. Even if they're in the closet, I damn well know you could write it if you really want to. And just to veer from speculative for a little bit, fucking Glee. Fucking Glee is created by a gay man, and that gay character in that show is one of the most stereotypical characters I have ever... It's not to say anything bad about the actor. I actually love the actor. I think he's got a great voice. Um, I think the character started off really interesting, but that journey was a journey I've been watching in queer cinema for nigh on 30 fucking years. It's not new. Just because he's cute and white doesn't mean it's a new thing, which I'd rather watch the queer journey in Ugly Betty, which is actually like a queer man of color like dealing with shit. But veering from the point, creators, stop doing it. It doesn't make you look progressive. It just makes you look like an asshole who is too afraid to include the queer characters in the first place. Also, don't hint at threesomes anymore. What the fuck is wrong with you people? All of this harem work where you're like, a man and the two women, be it's a side note, but still, stop it. <laughs> stop it. I'm tired of like, you know, if you're going to present a poly triad, present a poly triad. I'm always down with that. And actually have it be functional. And actually have it be functional. Not Don't have it be a fucking harem where it's like this man who fucks two women that live in like across the castle from each other and barely fucking interact or they act like sisters. And if I read one more high fantasy that dares to say my culture has a term called sister wives, I will f- no, dear. No. Just done. So stop doing it, creators, please. Um, that's what, that's my why must it be. Yeah. Um, although I will say as a side note. Yeah. Anne Rice has a new book that just came out. Oh God. <laughs> listen, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Anne Rice is a queer baiter too. Are you seriously going to try to make a case for Anne Rice? No, okay, not at all. Ahead. I'm going to make a case for me having no fucking morals when it comes to this book. <laughs> okay. Because the book that came out is a sequel to the Beauty Trilogy. Oh, God. Yes. For those of you who don't know, those of you who don't know, the Beauty Trilogy is an erotic trilogy that Anne Rice wrote under the name A.N. Roclair. And Sleeping Beauty gets woke up by being... Fu- it's problematic. I'm not saying it's not a problematic series. It's like Anne Bishop. It's very problematic. But the id goes wild, and sometimes you read it. And so the Sleeping Beauty trilogy is like there's a country where all the people are like, all the princes and princesses are sent for sexual training. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that came out just yeah. like sexual chocolate. <laughs> sexual chocolate. Um, and there's like a lot of, they have to be nude all the time. And there's like a lot of queer stuff. Um, because like anyone, any master can partake. And then there's the second book where they're punished by being sent down to the city. And so they have to be, like, slaves to the commoners, and they're often used as um, as horses to pull carriages. With with a detail I really want to share, but I feel like it might be too much. Um, no, what's too much? We're friends. We're all friends here. With um, dildo horsetails that they put, like, itching powder on so that they high-step. What? Yes. Oh. And then the third book gets really fucked up in Orientalist, and, like, a bunch of them are kidnapped by, like, a sultan and taken to another country. 
But there is the scene where Beauty is thrown among the Sultan's 50 wives, and they all rub her and then pick her up and fuck her on a golden statue with an erection. Um, so it gets really fucked up. I'm not, I'm not defending any of the fucked up shit there. But. <laughs> but. The fourth book, which just came out in hardcover, and it's called Beauty's Kingdom is about them asking Beauty, and I don't know the man she ended up with. I did not care that much about the heterosexual shit that was going down in the book. Um, but the man she ends up with are called back to the kingdom because it's fallen apart, and they want them to rule it. And Beauty decides to rule it with one change. Consent is necessary. Like, everyone has to consent to it and come in consensually to the country. Nice. And so I'm like... It's like Anne Rice was like, you know what? That trilogy did had a whole lot of fucked up shit about consent. Let me try and fix my world. And Fair you know enough. what? I, I want to give that. you that twenty nine ninety five. I don't know if I will, but I want to give you that money, Anne. Rice. I wish everybody could see your face right now. I, you are so excited. This is this is why I'm thinking of starting a YouTube series. <laughs> <laughs> called Fail or Flail. I do want to say I'm glad you brought up because it reminded me the thing that I knew I was forgetting. Oglof. <gasps> I love Oglof. Oglof is sex. It's a webcomic. Yes. Oh, webcomic, so lots of queer characters, but the queerness is not played for lols. Yes. I mean, it is, but everything is played for it lols. Is. It's yeah. not like, it's, the joke is not about the character being queer. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that. It's written by a woman. It's fantastic and fucked up and hilarious. And a lot of it is not safe for, well, you know, it depends where you work. But, um, yeah, no, I love but it. But it takes every fantasy trope and then puts it through a sex grinder and then makes it even more, like, outrageous. Like, yeah. like, the let's talk about the apprentice who's cursed not to masturbate. Oh, my God. So that every the time he breaks it. The are fantastic. Yes, his cum turns alive into a cum sprite and runs and tells on him. Tells the evil sorceress. <laughs> tells the evil sorceress. <laughs> that he's been a naughty boy. <laughs> and then throws itself in her face. Oh my god, it's ridiculous and amazing. There's like the dwarves that are making all the weird sex toys. Yes. There's like, um, there's like, I still love the fox, though. Yes, the fox who gets fucked over every yeah. time. Or the Kronar, the gay barbarian. Yes! Um... Uh, who, There's the guy who's cursed to give the best blowjobs in the world. Yes, King <laughs> Felatio. Um, it's good stuff. It's yes. good stuff, and it's really funny. Um, yeah, so I think that's a good episode. Just saying, let's close on that. Um, Beauty's email. Kingdom in stores now. <laughs> so we got yellowperil.magicalnegro at gmail. Um, what are we doing next week? I don't even remember. We made a plan. We made a plan, and then we forgot it. Well, I left my notebook at home because I am a bad person. But, um... Was it women in in something? Uh, women Warriors? Might have been Women Warriors. It might if have If it been. wasn't, let's go with that. <laughs> um, so next week, it's going to be Women Warriors. Um, I'm excited to talk about Zoe from Firefly. Mm, um, okay. I'm thinking Battle Angel Alita. Battle Angel Alita. Yeah. And also, you know, what's... what's The Lady Captain from Pirates. The (laughs) the Korean one. There you go. We might even discuss Keira Knightley in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, I mean, she did something. Yeah. Those movies just... mm. (laughs) Complicated feelings. You know what? Just because black people need to wade in the dangerous water to mourn a white man, and because they made an Asian actor 
put on yellow makeup. Even more yellow makeup. You yeah, act like they're you? racist. <laughs> How could that be? It's Disney. Um, I, Disney, one mo- last note. I told you before, I'm going to tell you again until this movie comes out. Do not make Lupita an alien. Don't you do it. That's all I have to say. Start. She better be brown. I don't want no, like, blue Lupita or red Lupita in this new Star Wars movie. That's all I'm saying. All right. We'll catch y'all next week.